I don't wanna go to work. I just wanna chill and play all day. Look him dead in the face and say, I wish I could just be still asleep while you work. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Jobs Blow podcast with Brianna and Josh. The podcast for dreamers with day jobs. Thank you for coming back again for another episode recorded live at Comic Strip Live Studios here on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. Please remember to like, subscribe, and share this episode when you're done listening because it is the way that the word gets out about us. It's when you talk about us. Give us your reviews. We prefer five-star reviews, but if you don't want to give us that, that's fine too. Just, you know, the better the reviews we get, the higher we end up on those directories of iTunes, Stitcher, Google, Spotify, Alexa, and it helps us get the word out to the masses. And don't forget that while this podcast was born out of the frustrations that come from working day jobs, we're here to provide some inspiration in your pursuit of a dream job as we pursue ours. Cool. Hi, Brianna. Hi, Josh. How are you doing? I am doing really great. I am going to just share one quick follow-up story of what's going on with me this week, a couple of weeks ago, right? I mm-hmm. talked about doing my 500 show at Drunk Shakespeare, and I had like a nice little moment. The cast kind of shouted me out and picked me up doing the little dirty dancing, lifting thing, right? And then this past week, I didn't even know they had a surprise celebration set up for me. My wife came. They made me the king, made her the queen for the night, gave us champagne. I was getting tequila shots. I was eating pastrami. I mean, they, like, totally treated me for the night. They had me get up and do, like, all kinds of old Shakespeare monologues that we had done and some characters I hadn't done in a long time. I was blown away by the love and uh, the honor. It was so great. I had such a good time this week so thank you to to everyone who was there audience too appreciate it well that's amazing and that was a huge accomplishment 500 shows that's that's a lot thank you for saying that what's going on with you well i've just been really focused on this podcast because i'm really excited um about our guest today cindy gallup um and just so everyone knows we have titled this episode you will never own your future if you care what other people think which is kind of um, which, like the theme of this whole podcast. Exactly. And quite honestly, it's one of Cindy's most well-known quotes. Um, but Cindy Gallup? So, Let's well, I just that. want to give a little history on how I came to know. Cindy, we're going to talk about you in the third Feel person. Free. Yes. Even Feel though free. you're right here Tokey until cool. we introduce you. But Tokey here we go. Cool. go. So quickly, um, about a year ago, a friend of mine I was out with, I had just been laid off. Right. I was venting about a number of things, and he said, Brianna, you need to follow Cindy Gallup on LinkedIn. She's your spirit animal. And I was like, okay. So I followed her, and I I just loved her, her ability to be unfiltered and uncensored and say what she felt because that's who I've always been, but I always worried that it was what held me back in a lot of ways mm-hmm. because not everyone embraces that. Common fear, common fear. Yes. So I had premium LinkedIn at the time, and I sent her a message and introduced <laughs> myself and just said, if you ever have a job, please let me know. She responded. She sent me some links. She said, unfortunately, I don't have something, but here are some links. I was so impressed that this woman who didn't know me from Adam <laughs> responded. So then I went to an event that she did, a Me Too panel. Probably frightened her with my (laughs) overenthusiasm for her and the panel. Wait, sidebar, were you frightened? No, not at all. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Again, because she is literally just the more successful version of me. (laughs) That's how I look at her. So anyway. Success is relative, can I just say. (laughs) But anyway, so we started doing this podcast. She was my dream guest. Um, I... Listen to what we've heard from our guests, you know, go outside the box, do things that you wouldn't normally do, 
you know, push, push the envelope. And I sent her a message and said, you know, would you be interested in being on our podcast? And she right away responded and said she would. Now, this is a woman who has been in the New York Times, um, Wall Street Journal, Forbes, and Fast Company wow. since the beginning of this year, I think. <laughs> and she's on Jobs Flow. Wow. So, honestly. So, we're honored. We're excited. <laughs> I kind of wish, though, a little bit that you'd get this excited when I walk into a room. <laughs> but we'll work on that. Yes. Well, okay. anyway. So, let's I'm introduce not, her. Well, first of all, Sidney, Josh and I were talking. And knowing that you hold oh, that record yes. at the TED Talk. Tell for, her what the record is. Well, she knows the record, well, but I'll tell the audience. Tell the audience. For saying come on your face nine, six, six times. times. Yep. Knowing that you hold that record, we just wanted to make sure that you aren't confused by the name of our show, that it's jobs <laughs> below and not the opposite. Yep, no, no, I worked it out. <laughs> I worked it out. <laughs> well, we were willing to talk mm. about those types right. of things. We just got so dirty, by the way. Like, for those of you who are stumbling onto this website or maybe through Cindy Gallup's reputation and realizing that this is jobs below podcast <laughs> and not the other way around. Uh, but it is through also through the website that Cindy started that we're going to talk about called Make Love Not Porn. That's why she said, come on my face so many times record-wise at a TED Talk. But let's get into it. I'm excited. Yes. So, um, Cindy, let's start by asking our always our first question. Oh, yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about a job that blew? Um, do you know, um, I can't think of having had a job that really blew. Because, I mean, I actually haven't had... Well, well, I suppose I had a lot of jobs in my time in terms of different positions, but but I actually, you know, the, um, I've worked for in total um, five places uh, job-wise, um, uh, separate to like you know working during vacations when I was a student and, and stuff like that, um, and and I wouldn't say that any of them blew. So so no no, um, no I can't. I'm totally She's jealous of her right so now. So jealous. And I've so worked positive. five jobs in the last ten years, I think, Cindy. <laughs> Literally. And they all blew. Right. Yeah. Well, and again, that's what. Can you just tell us honestly when you received my message and a, and I mm. asked you to be on Jobs mm. Blow? Mm. Why did you agree? <laughs> just out well, of curiosity. Well, well, I um I really like the theme of your of your podcast because, I mean, I, I mean, first of all, I should just say um for your audience that everything in my life and career has happened by complete accident. I have never planned anything. So every job I've ever had has kind of materialized. Every career swerve has materialized as well. But, um, you know, the, the biggest one really happened when I left the corporate world. Um, gosh, um, that would be 14 years ago now. And, and, um, and, and we can come on to the reason why that happened. But, but, but essentially, when I jumped ship back in 2005, um, it was the best bloody thing I ever did in my life because I am now evangelical about working for yourself. And what I say to people is that many people make the mistake of thinking that a job is the safe option. It's not. Mm. Because in a job, you are at the complete mercy of management changes, industry downturns, marketplace dynamics. You know, I say to people, whose hands would you rather place your future in? Those of a large corporate entity who at the end of the day doesn't give a shit about you yeah. or someone who will always have your best interests at heart, i.e. you. And so I believe that working for yourself is the only way to be. And I encourage people to leave jobs and do that as much as possible. And so the theme of your podcast really resonated. Okay. I, are you hiring? Because I would like to work for you <laughs> under those conditions. You know, it's funny you say that because I have a very, 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 very good close friend 
now who's been at their job for 15 years. Major, major management changes coming through. And she's literally sitting there right now, not sure if she's getting laid off. Her family mm. relies on mm. that income. It's exactly what you're talking about. It's frightening. But so I, thank you. And I also get from you um, that you practice what you preach. And, I mean, that's a lot of the reasons why when you responded and said you would come, I was like, this is a woman who is pro, like, female, pro, like, you know, supporting other women, and that's what she's doing. So thank you, because quite honestly, in my illustrious career, I can't say there have been a lot of female mentors along the way. So Wouldn't that be great if this story was the start of that, be her being a great female mentor? Well. Sure. Um, don't I'm, let's not I'm, scare. I'm a her. great virtual mentor. Yes, like I don't want to scare. She already sprayed like this. I'll I'm be, overly I'll enthusiastic. Be the, I'll be your mentor. Thank you. Forever. All right, so let's start the story. Let's like rewind a little bit. Uh, you know, get you said you were in the corporate world, 2005. What were mm. you doing, and what happened that you left, and where are you now? Give us that. Sure. So um, I'm here in New York um, because I moved here 21 years ago to start up the U.S. office for Bartle Vogel Hegarty, the ad agency I used to work for. So BBH New York began in 1998 as me in a room with a phone, <laughs> starting up an advertising agency in the world's toughest advertising marketplace. Wow. Um, so that was a lively old ride. Um, but um, it, all went, it all went pretty well. And so I ran the agency for a number of years. And then in 2005, I turned 45, and I had my very own personal midlife crisis. Oh in the sense that I'd always thought of 45 as kind of a midlife point. You know, obviously, by the way, I'm the happy assumption one lives to be 90, fingers crossed. <laughs> um, but in the couple of years running up to it, I'd always thought on one's 45th birthday is the moment when you should pause, take stock, reflect and review, where have I been, where am I going? So on February 1, 2005, I duly did that. And that was the point at which I went, oh, my God, I've just worked 16 years for the same advertising agency. Mm. Now, wonderful agency. You know, I love BBH to death. I cannot say enough nice things about them. I had joined them in London in 89, um, ran big global pieces of business out of London office, moved to Singapore in 96 to help start and run BBH Asia Pacific, and then you know came to New York at my yeah. dream job, because um, I'd asked for that several years earlier. I said, I want to be the person who opens up BBH New York. So I'd had a wonderful time, but, but that was the point at which went, oh my God, it's been 16 years, they've kind of whizzed by, you know, maybe it's time to do something different. And then the problem was I hadn't the faintest idea what. So vast amount of thoughts and angsting ensued, and eventually I went, if I want to examine every possible option open to me for what is effectively the second half of my life, maybe the best thing to do is to put myself on the market, very public, and go, okay, guys, here I am, what do you got, and see what comes. So I took a massive leap into the unknown. I resigned as chairman of BBH New York in the summer of 2005 without a job to go to. Wow. And as I said earlier, it was the best bloody thing I ever did in my life. Wow. Because I adore working for myself. And I encourage everyone to do that because it is the only way to be. Well, and I just want to interject here because I was telling a friend of mine that you were going to be on the show. And she worked at oh. BBH. Oh, yeah. And she said to me, that woman was so amazing that she knew everybody that worked for her. And if at a holiday party, she would go out of her way to sit by someone she didn't know to get to know them. And she was one of one at one holiday party. She was the person and she couldn't say enough about not only her time there, but what the lessons that she learned from you moving forward. Oh my God, that's fantastic. Sorry. Wh who was that? Uh, Megan Huskinson. Oh, oh, oh my God. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah oh my yeah, God. Right. She's going to, Oh my God. Uh, give, give my love. I, well, she'll hear yeah. this. So oh, she'll be excited. Right, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course I know Megan. Excellent. 
Okay, so you made this change. You made this jump mm. to make love. No, 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 not no, yet. no, 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 you just mm. decided 2005 February 1st. Um, thank you, everyone. I'm I'm done here. I'm going to oh, move yeah, on. Yeah, but I mean, as I say, you know, th- there was lots of angsting about that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, you know t- I mean, actually, um, and you know, that th- this is this is something that um, I will never forget. So, um, the only person in the industry um, that I shared what I was planning to do with was a wonderful guy called Ken Case, who at the time was the president of DDB New York and as a, a CEO rather, I think. And um, and, and yeah, he was a friend fr- from the industry. He was a lovely guy. Uh, very sadly, he passed away from um, cancer some years ago. But um, Ken was enormously reassuring because I said to him, "Listen, here's what I'm thinking of doing. You know, um, you know, if I leave BBH in order to pursue all my options, you know, what do you think it'll look like? What do you think the industry will think?" And he totally gave me the confidence to do it because he basically said, "Cindy, trust me, you won't be on the beach a week." You know, and then he said, "Right, come and meet John Wren, Omnicom." You know, blah, 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 and tried to pull me into, into into the group instantly. And so he he really um, gave me the confidence to make that leap. And and I have to tell you, I mean, um, when I did, I, I was very lucky. Tons of things came to me, ninety percent of which I would never have thought of myself. And uh, and by the way, th- 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 this is why I do encourage people. If they possibly can, um, through savings or through being laid off and having mm-hmm. like you know, um, yeah, but some, some of the severance payment, um, you will find what you want to do much more easily when you have the time and the space to actively go and look for it, right. as well as be able to put publicly out there the fact that you're available, because it is extraordinarily difficult to find the right next thing for you when you are working twenty four seven, you're stressed out, you're up to your eyeballs. I mean, you come home in the evenings and the weekends, all you can do is collapse and watch Netflix. Sure, you know um, that is not the mindset and the energy level in which you can look for your next big thing. You, you know, and uh, and so uh, and, uh, and then. Um, so, so what happened was I got all these, um, you know, approaches and I went, okay, I still don't know what I want to do. I'm going to be employment slut. I'm going to talk to everybody. <laughs> no preconceived notions. You know, and, and by the way, obviously I had preconceived notions, you right. know, an agency would call and go, well, you know, went, no, 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 go in and meet them. You right. know, take every conversation, do every meeting. And so I embarked on this fascinating exploratory which was as good for telling me what I didn't want to do as what I did want to do. Mm-hmm. Because I would come out of an interview or a meeting and I'd go, okay, so now I know in 15 years, no one knew that. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so it was just really fascinating. And, and you know, coming out of that, uh, I mean, at the same time, um, you know, having left um, a, a full-time job, um, I began working as a consultant, as a public speaker. So I was able to support myself you know, by doing freelance work. And I really enjoyed doing that. I, I had some great clients, had some really nice projects. And um, anyway, um, a series of accidents led me to what I now do and Make Love Not Porn. So um, that came out of my direct personal experience dating younger men and realizing 11 or 12 years ago now, mm-hmm. um, through dating younger men, that I was encountering an issue that would quite honestly never have occurred to me if I had not encountered it so very directly and personally, um, I realized I was experiencing what happens when two things converge. And I stress the dual convergence because most people think it's only one thing. Mm-hmm. I realized I was encountering what happens when today's total freedom of access to porn online meets our society's equally total reluctance to talk openly and honestly about sex. When those two things converge, porn becomes sex education by default in not a good way. 
Absolutely. And so I found myself encountering a number of sexual behavioural memes in bed. I went, whoa, I know where that's coming from. <laughs> you know, I thought, gosh, if I'm experiencing this, other people must be as well. I didn't know that because 11, 12 years ago, no one was talking about this. Nobody was writing about it. Sure. You know, this was me going, gosh, um, right, as an action-oriented person, I want to do something about this. So 10 years ago, I put up a no money a tiny clunky website at makelovenotporn.com that in its original incarnation was simply words and designs and it basically posted the myths of porn and balanced them with reality. So the construct was porn world versus real world. Give us an example. You know, oh, you know, things like um, porn world, women have no hair down there. You know, real world, actually, some women like to shave or wax, others don't. Some men like women au naturel, mm -hmm. you know, other, others. It's entirely up to personal taste, you know, that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Are we allowed to chime but in here? Sorry. Why wouldn't you be able to? <laughs> Just on that point. Oh. All right, go. Keep going. Oh. Um, so anyway, so um, I had the chance I to guess launch. I guess not. <laughs> I had the chance to launch Make Love Not Porn at TED in 2009. Um, as you say, my TED talk is somewhat notorious. Um, Watch it if you have not seen. Yeah. And, um, and um, so it went viral, and it drove this extraordinary global response to my tiny website that I had never anticipated. And I realized that I'd uncovered a huge global social issue. Thousands of people wrote to me from every country in the world, you know, young and old, men and females, straight and gay, pouring their hearts out. And I felt a personal responsibility to take Make Love Not Porn forwards in a way that would make it much more far-reaching, helpful, and effective. But I also saw an opportunity to do what I believe in very strongly, which is that the future of business is doing good and making money simultaneously. I saw the opportunity for a big business solution to this huge untapped global need. And I use the word big advisedly because even then, back in 2009 at concept stage, I knew if I wanted to counter the global impact of porn as default sex ed, I was going to have to come up with something that at least had the potential one day to be just as mass, just as mainstream, and just as all-pervasive in our society as porn currently is. So I was setting myself a very big goal right from the get-go. So what I decided to do was, um, I always emphasize make love not porn is not anti-porn because the issue isn't porn. The issue is that we don't talk about sex in the real world. Okay. If we did, amongst a whole host of other benefits, people would then be able to bring a real-world mindset when they view what is simply manufactured entertainment. So our tagline at Make Love Not Porn is pro-sex, pro-porn, pro-knowing the difference. And right. our mission is one thing only, which is to help make it easier for every single person in the world to talk openly and honestly about sex. And to do that in two areas to talk open about sex in the public domain, by that I mean parents to children, teachers to schools, everyone to everyone, but even more importantly, talk about sex openly and honestly privately in your intimate relationships. And the reason that's key is, because we don't talk about sex, it's an area of rampant insecurity for mm -hmm. every single one of us. We all get vulnerable when we get naked. Sexual egos are very fragile. People therefore find it bizarrely difficult to talk about sex with the people they're actually having it with while they're actually having it. Because in that situation, you are terrified that if you say anything to all about what's going on, if you comment on the action anyway at all, you will potentially hurt the other person's feelings, you'll put them off you, you will derail the encounter, right. you'll potentially derail the entire relationship, but at the same time, you want to please your partner. You want to make them happy. Everybody wants to be good in bed. No one knows exactly what that means. And so you will seize your cues on how to do that from any way you can. And if the only cues you've ever seen are in porn, because your parents didn't teach you, because your school didn't talk to you, because your friends aren't honest, those are the cues you'll take to not very good effect. So given this mission of talk about it, I decided simply to take every dynamic in social media and apply them to this one area 
no other social network or platform will go, in order to socialize sex and to make real-world sex and talking about it socially acceptable and therefore ultimately just as socially shareable as anything else we share on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, Instagram. So six years ago, my tiny team and I launched the first stage of this vision, makelovenotporn.tv, which is an entirely user-generated crowdsourced video sharing platform that celebrates real-world sex. So anyone from anywhere in the world can submit to us videos of themselves having real-world sex, but we are very clear what we mean by this. We are not porn, we're not amateur, we're building a whole new category on the internet that has never previously existed, social sex. So our competition isn't porn, it's Facebook and YouTube. Or rather it would be if Facebook and YouTube allowed you to socially, sexually self-express. For people so, who are also obviously comfortable sharing that what, aspect well, of their Well, do you know, interestingly, um, you know, uh, I'll, I'll answer that question in a moment, okay. just, just to kind of finish the concept. Um, what that means is that social sex videos on Make Love Not Porn are not about performing for the camera. They're just about doing what you do on every social platform. Catch what goes on in the real world as it happens spontaneously in all its funny, messy, glorious, silly, beautiful, ridiculous humanness. We curate to make sure of that, by the way. Watch every single video. We don't publish unless it's real. And we have a revenue-sharing business model. So our members pay to subscribe and rent and stream social sex videos. Half the income goes to our contributors, or as we call them, our Make Love Not Porn stars. And, and to answer mm. your question, interestingly, the vast majority of our Make Love Not Porn stars have never, ever filmed themselves doing anything sexual before, ever. Wow. They're doing it for us because they believe in our social mission. Wow. Mm -hmm. Well, and I wanted to ask you, mm. this idea of healthy sex, mm. I mean, beyond what you're doing, don't you feel like society as a whole would benefit from healthy sex i mean well, what's it, what, what's it, uh, what, uh, what i'm doing with make love not porn is designed to benefit the whole of society right. um because um so it's interesting you know i, I said to you that make love not porn is an accident what is no accident is that i've spent over 30 years working in advertising over 30 years working in the business of communication mm. i know therefore that everything great in life and business is born out of great communication sex is no different great sex is born out of great communication and the problem is that we are not brought up to talk about sex. Especially and not women. No, um, 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 no, not anybody. You know, to, um, make love points gender equal. You know, neither men nor women are. And so, you know, here's, um, here's where that is a huge issue. So, so, so when I say that our mission is to make it easy to talk about sex, because we don't do that, people don't get how massively, profoundly, fundamentally beneficial that would be. I designed Make Love Not Porn around my own philosophies, one of which is that everything in life, and business, by the way, starts with you and your values. So I regularly ask mm -hmm. people this question. What are your sexual values? And nobody can ever answer me because we're not taught to think like that. Right. Our parents bring us up to have good manners, work ethic, <coughs> sense of responsibility, accountability. Nobody ever brings us up to behave well in bed. But they should because they're empathy. Yeah. Sensitivity, <coughs> generosity, kindness, honesty are as important as they are in every other area of our lives where we are actively taught to exercise those values. So where, when somebody mm. naturally has that, if somebody has the, that, that, um, those sexual values, that empathy, things like that, mm. where, is there somewhere else that they're getting that from? I mean, and, and the opposite too. Is there, if somebody is just not, is all self-serving mm. or is not looking out for their partner or communicating well, where is that coming from? Right. Um, do you know, in both cases, it's, it's social conditioning. Okay, so it is absolutely about, you know, where you were born, where you were brought up, 
what your parents were like, you know, um, you know, what what you were taught, you know, and and to be frank, very few people are brought up in the kind of environment and the culture and the openness that means that you have a really healthy attitude towards sex. We all stumble our way mm. into our sex lives and our relationships. And if we're lucky, it's mutual exploration and, you know, the sum total of all the lovers we have ends up in a good place. But I can tell you, after 10 years of working Make Love Not Porn, an awful lot do not end up in a good place. And so that is why, by the way, um, Make Love Not Porn could not be more timely because in the era of Me Too, a huge dialogue has surfaced about consent, quite rightly. There are lots of people talking about consent, lots of people writing about consent. There are many thoughtful, nuanced think pieces about consent. Here's the problem. Nobody knows what consent actually looks like in bed. Nothing but nothing educates people about great consensual communicative sex, about good sexual values and good sexual behavior, like watching people actually having that kind of sex. And Make Love Not Porn is the only place on the internet where you can do that. Every one of our videos is an object lesson in consent, communication, good sexual values, good sexual behavior. Another one of my philosophies is communication through demonstration. And that's what we are. So back to um, what people learn. Mm. What would you say when you were growing up, like how you learned and... Oh, my God. Um, you know, so I'm half English, half Chinese. Um, you know, um, m both my parents are very old-fashioned. They never, ever talked about sex. I learned wow. nothing. Wow. Okay, you know. And so you have to make your own discoveries, you know, at university, you know. And, and I think actually probably because, um, you know, my upbringing was one where, you know, sex was repressed and it wasn't discussed... You know, when I eventually discovered it, oh, my God, this is bloody amazing. <laughs> you know, I mean, I think that's partly why, why I felt strongly subsequently about really making sure that everybody gets to be open and honest about this. Because what I would say is Make Love Not Porn operates in the single biggest market of them all. Not sex, not porn, the market of human happiness. I want to follow up to Brianna real quick on something you said. You know, for guys too. You know, girls. You know, the dialogue mm. is not necessarily there. And for guys too. I mean, mm. you know, my parents didn't sit me down and talk about things. I learned through what I heard. I would mm. go up to to people older than me and go, "Could could you like explain this mm. or that?" Mm. And they would just blow me off or like walk mm. away. And so I only heard about it or figured it out from people's stories. I didn't know what I was mm. talking about. Yeah, I didn't know no, what I was doing. Absolutely. I, I mean, you know, anything that 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 I learned was like kind of like out of what you're saying is like just you know trial and error yeah, or figure it out. Yeah. I, I'll say this though, especially now with you know with how it it's progressed and how easy it is. I mean, for people, young people, to find you know porn on the internet. You know, it's a kind of funny story I tell, but like a buddy of mine was like the first time he was like, "You got to come over to my house and see this." I was like, "See what?" And he brought me over to. I came into his house mm -hmm. and he found an old film projector with these old <laughs> reels and it was his dad's old films mm. from the 70s and he oh lines God, it fantastic. up and he puts it on and and it starts <laughs> and it starts going on the wall and we're watching it and we're like i, I don't e i don't even know what's going on right we were so averse to having no idea what sex looked like we didn't realize that he fed the film in upside down <laughs> so we're watching this sex <laughs> happening upside down oh my on the God, wall that's going hysterical. what is is this <laughs> what sex how is? are we gonna do that i don't even is she wearing a hat <laughs> that's what is hysterical. that you know that's hysterical. so think about that was my first experience mm. with that so so something like this just seems so right at such a right time mm. is what you're saying i want to ask one question to cindy mm. if that's okay mm. um what do you think should come first, the the home conversations or something like this website where somebody can stumble oh, on oh, it oh on their God, own? Oh, my God, absolutely the home conversations. And, and that, the reason for that is, so 
Why I'm doing what I'm doing is because the average age day at which a child is first exposed to hardcore porn online is eight years old. What? And a global study done, I think, about five years ago now by Bitdefender indicated then that age dropped six. Now, this, this is not because eight-year-olds and six-year-olds go looking for porn. They don't. It's a function of what, in the digital world we live in today, is utterly inevitable, can't be prevented, they stumble across it. It's what somebody shows your kid on the cell phone in the playground, mm -hmm. what happens when they go around a neighbor's house, or they're just Googling something and something pops up. And so I say to parents, and by the way, parents and teachers write to us all the time about this. I say to parents, you cannot begin talking to your child about sex too early. And when I say, I don't, I don't mean talk about sex, I mean the very first time they ask where babies come from, you know, touch your genitals, the most important thing isn't even what you say as much as how you say it. Mm -hmm. Never get visibly embarrassed. Mm -hmm. Never get flustered. Never shut them up. Never leave the room. Just answer them straightforwardly and honestly and open up a channel of communication that will always be there for them as they get older. And then the second thing I say to parents is, and today, when you talk to your child about sex, you must also talk to your child about porn. And it's a lot easier to do than most parents think because all you have to do is say some version of this. You dial it up or down depending on the age of the child. You go, darling, so I've just told you about sex. And you know how together we watch movies and videos and cartoons where things happen that aren't real. Well, there are also movies and videos about sex, and they're not real either. Mm. And because of that, they can be quite confusing. And so we'd rather even watch until you're older. But if anybody ever shows you anything like that or you stumble across it, come and talk to us so we can explain it. And that's all you have to say because you've then done two very important things. The first is that you have set up in their minds when they see this that it's not real. Mm -hmm. And second, you, you encourage them to come and talk to you about it because, trust me, you will want them to come and talk to you about it. Well, and the thing that when I think about it is this idea of healthy sex helps alleviate the guilt. I mean, when you grow mm. up in a very religious yeah. family, but I think, too, it's a burden that young girls and women, women you know, there's a l uh, you wrestle with like how comfortable yep. you can be with your sexuality, I mean, yep, but, uh, but but so do boys and men. I mean, it, 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 this is a gender equal issue and yeah. it's a global issue. Um, no, no, ab absolutely. I mean, you know, in ten years of working, make love, not porn, I have had so many emails. I can tell you half the problem is the shame, guilt, and embarrassment mm -hmm. um, that, that we have infused sex with. That is half the problem, and that's why at Make Love Not Porn we call ourselves the social sex revolution. The revolutionary part is not the sex, it's the social. It's the social. Because we're socializing and normalizing all of this. Mm -hmm. Just to go back to a business marketing thing mm. for a second, you know, I said this on one of our other episodes, but, you know, when you're, like you said before, there's so much porn out there and there's certain amounts of education. When you are trying to break into that, if there is not a category that you're number one in, create your own category. Mm. Be number one. And she mm. is exactly did that. Well, you do have some challengers, though. I oh, my God. Yeah. Um, so um, I did not realize when we embarked on this venture that I would fight an enormous battle every day to build it, essentially because every piece of business infrastructure any other tech startup just takes for granted. We can't because the small print always says no adult content. Mm. And this is all pervasive across every sphere of the business in ways that people don't realize. You know, I can't get funded. I can't get banked. It took me four years to find one bank here in America that would allow me to open a business bank account for Make Love Not Porn. Biggest operational challenge is payments. You know, PayPal won't work with adult content. Stripe can't. Maintaining credit card processes won't. Mm -hmm. Every tech service that I need to use, hosting, encoding, encrypting, the terms of service always say no adult content. I have to go to the people at the top of the company 
explain what I'm doing, beg to be allowed to use this service. Sometimes they let me, sometimes they don't. It's very labor-intensive. Wow. We had to build our entire video sharing, video stream platform from scratch ourselves as proprietary tech because existing streaming services will not stream adult content. I'm so jealous of friends who built video startups on top of Vimeo. Quick, easy, simple. I can't do that. Wow. Even something as apparently simple as finding an email partner. MailChimp won't work with adult content. Rejected by six or seven before we found one who would. So everything is a battle. And I'm finding this battle very publicly because the answer to everything that worries people about all of this is not to shut down, censor, clamp down, block, repress. It is instead to open up. Right. Mm -hmm. Open up the dialogue in the way that we're working to. Open up to welcoming, supporting, and funding entrepreneurs like me who want to disrupt all this for the better. And open up to letting us do business the same way everybody else does. Because when you do that, you transform the landscape of adult. I like to repurpose in this context Wayne LaPierre of the NRA's infamous gun control quote. <laughs> the only thing that stops a bad guy with a business is a good guy with a better business. That's what I'm doing. Yes, and yeah. it's actually just kind of reinforcing why you're doing what you're doing, that you keep running into all these barriers. Mm. Because right. mm. it mm. is that yeah. this... It's business yeah. with a good intention. But it's just... But, uh, but it's uh, yeah, no, every barrier encounter is why I'm doing what I'm doing. Exactly. To break those barriers down. Yes, right. it's yeah. the not healthy sex. It's yeah. that pe the taboo, yeah. and you're not allowed to talk about it. Mm. And yes. Mm. I, I I can't help but think of you in the word pioneer and entrepreneurial strength. I mean, it must be so disheartening when you, you're just, I want to, here's this simple thing I'm trying to do for the betterment of the world and our communication, our relationships, and people just are like, no, that's sorry, and you just keep fighting and coming back. I mean, what a, that's a lesson in itself. Well, so right well, well actually, I, I do get asked regularly, you know, what keeps you going through all of this? Yeah. And the thing that keeps me going is a dynamic that I characterize as, I'm going to fucking well show you. You tell me it can't be done, I'm going to fucking well show <laughs> you. You put an obstacle path, I'm going to fucking well show you. So you have to take all of that demoralization, demotivation, and channel it into motivation and inspiration. I wanted to ask you quickly just something in mm. the news today. Mm. I don't know if you saw the news about Mario Batali gave up all I, I did indeed, yes. And then also the R. Kelly interview. Yep, yep, yep. So with what you're trying to do with the idea of healthy sex mm. and changing, mm. like how differently do you think these things would have oh. been... Oh, um, oh, 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 dramatically. Um, you, you know, so, so what I say, to, and I've been talking about this for years in my business speaking, there are two very simple ways to solve Me Too, okay, and, and sexual harassment and sexual abuse, you know. Um, t um, two things, uh, and the first one is kind of geared, um, it's geared to the workplace, but it's also geared to kind of every place, okay. Um, number one, make every single environment, um, say every level of a company, every environment we spend time in, as quickly as possible, gender equal or more female than male, because it's been the other way around for way too long. Okay, and the reason for that is because sexual harassment magically disappears in any environment that is gender equal or more female than male for two reasons: a) there is no longer, as there is in male-dominated environments, the implicit bro endorsement. It's okay to behave like that. Mm -hmm. And secondly, when men are surrounded every minute of every day by women with whom they are interacting as professional equals, being exposed to female intelligence and tal uh, talents and insights, they cease to see women in one of only two roles, girlfriend or secretary. Okay? So that's number one, make every single environment, every single workplace gender equal. Number two is exactly what I talked about earlier, which is inculcate in society an openly, universally understood, talked about, discussed, promoted, and very importantly, aspired to gold standard of what constitute good sexual values and good sexual behavior. 
we hold everyone to standards of values and behavior in every other area of life except this one. And so, you know, when I talk to leaders in business, I say, you know how you talk about your company culture all the time? You know, at the company meeting, in interviews, you know, expectations of good sexual values and good sexual behavior need to be part of your culture and as openly articulated as such. Even in as a corporate else. environment. Yeah, ab- especially in corporate environments where all of the goddamn sexual harassment is going on. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, I'm all for that. Just for the naysayers, playing devil's advocate for a mm. second, what would be potential problems, fears, if that balance tips? So more female-dominated offices, uh, females in power, you know, and, the, and the, the, the gender inequality switches. Is there any fear of any other kind of backlash that um, we haven't experienced? Um, no, oh my God. You know, what I would say is, men, we live in a world where the default setting is always male. Mm-hmm. Men, you have no idea how much happier you would be living in a world that was equally designed by both genders. Um, and in fact, ideally with now, with more female influence, given that the male influence and the patriarch has dominated it since the dawn of time. Wow. Yeah, I was actually talking to someone today. You know, I was in PR for a long time. Um, it, it always amazed me that the junior staff would be 80% female, 20% mm. male, if that. But then you get to the C-suite. And somehow mm. it flips. Yep. And um, I'm it, like, wh- where, where did all the ladies um, go? No, to, um, to, uh, sexual harassment. That's where they went. Mm. That's mm. where they went. Sexual harassment manages women out of businesses, out of industries. Sexual harassment derails women's ambitions, destroys their careers, crushes their dreams. It's the single biggest business issue every single industry is facing. It's just, it's an amazing concept to say, well, if we go back to not just zero, to like, let's go even further back than that and say, let's get the roots better and go start with sexual values and start mm. everything from mm. that. And getting, and you know, it's probably a lot of angst and, and anger and frustration comes out of not knowing what your sexual values are, is what you're saying, which informs other yep. parts of your uh, life. But, but what also comes out of um, gender bias, and what I mean by that is, I reckon you say... I wish society understood the opposite of what it thinks is true. Women enjoy sex just as much as men, and men are just as romantic as women. Mm -hmm. And neither gender is allowed to openly celebrate that fact. And that's a huge problem. No. that's I'm blown away. I don't. <laughs> I mean, I could talk to you all day, and I but okay. I know that we're running out of. We time are running here. out of time. But let's okay. just bring it back to the to mm. the website, for example. Sure. So yeah. it is make love not porn TV dot TV. Yeah. And my other question is because mm. I did try to go on and mm. just browse, and mm. I didn't. You know, I wasn't allowed to browse, and I had to sign up, which I think you yeah, know. But kudos but, yeah, to you um, for being um, for a business uh, decision. Um, no, 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 there, no, no it's know. free to sign up. And by the way, you have to do that because we are more legal than legal over eighteen. You know, right. But uh, I'm yeah. saying like mm. you know, it wasn't just something like a click and view. Yeah, yeah. You know, and mm. there was a commitment when you signed yeah. in your email, mm. the whole nine. Mm. You know, which I thought mm. was important. Now you said something yeah. before about watching all the videos, cultivating the videos, as far as like what's legal, curating. Sorry. Are you are are people allowed to be presentational? Can they use good equipment? Can they use oh, yeah, good oh, yeah, lightning? Oh, can, oh, no, no, do you want yeah. them talking to yeah. the camera? Oh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Uh, so they can do anything they want um, as long as it's real. Okay. So, so in terms of talking to the camera, we ask all our Make Love Not Porn stars to um, provide, along with their real world sex video, a free to access intro video. And it's kind of like a trailer, but it's not. Because our request is that they use that to contextualize 
their real world sex because real world sex has context, has a backstory, has relationships, you know. And so we give them completely creative freedom as to what they do with that intro video. Some people like shoot little amazing scenarios and get dressed up, and you know, right. others talk to the camera about why they chose to do this, right. that they reminisce about the particular occasion they're sharing the video of. You know, it's, it's entirely up to them. But, but yup, you know, you, you get to know our make love, not porn stars. I mean, the fascinating thing is so. The reason amateur is the biggest growth sector in porn has nothing to do with porn. It has everything to do with the fact that everybody wants to know what everyone else is really doing in bed and nobody does. And now for the first time at Make Love Not Porn, we are showing them. So you have a window into real people's lives. A and by the way, a number of our Make Love Not Porn stars have been with us since the beginning. You know, our members can follow them over six years through pregnancies, wow. childbirth, house moves, your hairstyle changes. Body changes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah and they, yeah, and yeah, they yeah, make exactly. money. They're yeah, yeah, money. Uh, yeah and, and, and we split the income 50-50. Yep. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Can I share one quick story? I saw a video one time of like, you know, you're on a porn site and it's two women and like, you know, making love, right? Mm. So you think like, right? You know, but every... Every expectation in your head of like lesbian sex, right? Mm. And these two women, it, I don't even think they were like, I'm not even, they were just making out. It was like, the, the I was like, this is the hottest mm. thing I've yeah, ever um, seen. Yeah, in no, my no, no, absolutely. You know, our videos demonstrate that sex does not have to be penetrative. Yeah. Um, nobody has to come. Actually, you know, it's preferred. No, our, our videos showcase. I mean, our videos are hysterically funny because ridiculous things happen because this is the real world. Right. You know, I mean, all human life is there. They're wonderful, actually. They're enormously right. moving. I would just like to point out that once again, I am not the biggest pervert on this oh. show. Okay. Well, but right. like, this is what I'm talking about, though. As a woman, <laughs> uh, you know, I have wrestled with guilt about. Oh yeah. Being uh, outspoken yep. and saying, mm. I mean, I grew up with all boys, mm. so I tend to be a little bit hmm. rougher around the edges than yeah. a, a girl who might have had sisters. But anyway, um, even when but I But even that kind of comment um, is no, what you're um, saying. No, I was like, going to say no. Right. Uh, no. Uh, you don't even have to say that. You are yeah. who you are. You are who no, you are. No, right. There are no expectations of what you should be. You no, know? I know. Yeah. But, you know, people have tried to tame me, Cindy. They try. Well, Cindy, well, well don't give a damn what they think. <laughs> Cindy, we could talk about this business-wise, inspiration-wise. I mean, would you give, give um, just from a business perspective, could you give our, our listeners one piece of advice about, like you said, about you know, following that that impetus to follow your dream. You know, what is it that right. pushes well, you? Well, um, t um, so um, what I recommend to people is just whatever you want to do, start making it real. Okay, and and uh, and I say that because you know you might have, for example, you might be in a job, but you might have a side hustle, and you would really love to make that your your main thing. Right. So make it real. What I mean by that is whatever it is, give it a name. Okay. Um, buy the URL. You know, put up a page with Wix or with you know whatever. That right. does, you know. Um, Start selling whatever it is. Um, actually, w when you start doing that, go out there and talk about it. Because the moment you are telling people, oh, yeah, I'm the founder of, I mean, and, and, and blah can be, you know, a name and a URL and like one page website, right. but, but you've made it real. And when you start putting it out there, you will start attracting customers to you and things will start happening. So just whatever it is, stop making it real. I'm giving you a high five for that. And honestly, awesome. once we had our logo, I was like, there's no turning back. Yeah. This is yeah. real. Yeah. We're yeah. in. Website, yeah. we're in. Yeah. And okay. then six, six episodes in, seven in. Cindy Gallup. Cindy Gallup. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm retiring after <laughs> know, today. Thank you for um, everyone following us. Goodbye. So, Goodbye. Cindy, um, mm. we're going to do these rapid fire sure. questions. Yep. Um, so answer what you're willing to answer. Sure. Yep. So quickly, most memorable moment in your career. Gosh, um, golly, um, I, I kind of feel I kind of feel it hasn't come yet. I've got so much more to go. Mm -hmm. Love it. Most terrifying. Um, pr um, probably actually, you know, t um, back in two thousand five, jumping ship from the corporate world. I mean, I wanted to do it, but it was scary as shit. Yeah. Proudest. 
Um, hasn't happened yet. Although, although, although I will qualify that. I will say, actually, probably the thing I'm proudest of is that Make Love Not Porn is still here. Because six years of battling everything the tech and business world can throw at us, I say to my team, the very fact we're still going is something to celebrate. That's awesome. It's amazing. Um, who's the person who's had the greatest impact on your life? Oh, undoubtedly my mother, who is a fantastic role model. I mean, always worked, by the way. Um, and, I mean, she's 86 now. She still gives me very good business advice. She's amazing. <laughs> oh, I love that. Person you would like to meet, living or dead? Um, gosh. Uh, interesting. Um, do you know, I meet so many amazing people every day. Um, you know, and they may not be famous or whatever, but, but I don't, um, there is no, I, I just feel I meet so many great people. There is nobody out there I'm absolutely dying to meet. All right. So um, if you had a daughter, what advice would you give her about working? Oh, um, I would say um, don't give a damn what anybody thinks. You know, to, I mean, the best moment of my life was when I realized that I no longer gave a damn what anybody thought. And it's the only way to live your life. What would you like your legacy to be? I, I would love my legacy to be make love, not porn. I would love it to live on after I go. And I don't know whether it will, but I very much hope I, I can get it, it there. Well, you got another... 40 years or 45 so, years, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> besides the music video that was um, made in your apartment, mm. what other wild event has taken place in that apartment that you can share? Oh, to, oh, oh to, actually, because, you know, I think your audience will find this entertaining. So um, my apartment was the setting for um, part of the season finale of, I think it was something like season 13 of Law and Order SVU. Oh, wow. <laughs> and, uh, and the reason for that was because, you know, the location manager came to look at it and he went, this is the perfect apartment for, you know, um, script direction, Pimp's Den. <laughs> and, I went, and I went, sure. So um, they basically, my apartment operated as, you know, a pimp's apartment. They threw a huge part in it with, like, hookers and so on. And the really entertaining thing was that they didn't change anything. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> God. So they didn't, they didn't need any prop, props or set dressing. And so all my friends were going, Cynthia, I just saw your apartment in Law and Order. Because oh it was very recognizable. Wait, <laughs> so were you there when they shot the Notorious um, B.I.G.? Um, no, so infuriatingly, I, I was in London um, on a trip. I couldn't be there. Otherwise, obviously, I would have met them all. So, oh, that's yeah. amazing. All right, so last... Why do you like younger men? And is there a celebrity that represents your ideal younger man? Mm. So um, my dating younger men was an accident. You know, I didn't consciously set out to do that. Um, years ago at BBH, we pitched for an online dating brand. We all had to online date. I found myself in and out with younger men. I had never thought of that dating model, but went works for me. So I've been doing it very happily ever since. And... In terms of a celebrity that I that I would you know consider my ideal younger man to date, um, I have to say um, Chris Pine. Okay, mm -hmm. and the reason I say that is not only because he's obviously extremely attractive, but we bloody loved Chris Pine because he like embraced Wonder Woman as the second lead. You know, there there was a Hollywood leading man prepared to take second string to a, a, a wonderful woman in a movie directed by a woman. And, and, and everything that they all say about what he was like to work with. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I, I am, I'm very open about the fact that I date younger men casually and recreationally. Okay, I date a lot of them. Um, but I have one <laughs> fundamental criteria. No matter how casual relationship, they have to be a very nice person. That's and I have great radar of very nice people. And Chris Pine appears to be a very nice person, so that is why I'd want to date him. Well, that's a know, great wait, that's a great answer. Do you know who his dad is? Did you watch Chips when you were growing up? The with Ponch, mm. the they're the head of the 
the department, that's his dad. Oh, get out of town. Yeah, I never mm. knew that. I Just a little mm. random useless mm. trivia that I'm Well, I will say for. I love that answer. I love that movie, and I love exactly what you're talking about. He was so funny and so mm. real in that. Mm. And that was I'm a great movie. I'm a little yeah. upset. I cried when I saw that Oh, yeah, movie. yeah, no, no, so did I. I'm I a had little my, upset with yeah. you that you stole my answer. Uh, for who I would date uh, <laughs> as a younger man. But, uh, no, I took man. I took my now 10-year-old daughter to see mm. that, and I watched her watch yeah. that movie, yeah. and I cried. Yeah, yeah. it was and a great yeah. now we're going to have yeah. to go see Captain Marvel. Yeah. Like, Captain yeah. Marvel. No, 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 absolutely. absolutely. And absolutely. Wonder Woman yeah. 2 is coming out, too. Yep. Also, yep. Patty yep. Yep. we can't again, wait. So we can't Jenkins wait. Again. Yeah. 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 So, uh, and you know, you said it, too, in one of our quick-fire answers, but it's exactly what the title of uh, this episode is. You will never own the future if you can if you care what other people think. I'm terrible about that. I have to practice. Yeah, but that's, it's so, it's so, you know, invigorating to, to see somebody being successful following that and to say that I can say this to my daughter, I can say it to myself, you know, and, and follow it and maybe those kinds of things can happen for me and hopefully if you're li- listening out there, you know, it can happen for you too. So I, I just would, I think we should end on that. Cindy, you are thank an you. incredible thank human being. Oh, thank you. You are incredibly kind for being here. I, I thank you for, for, look at Brianna's face right now, the, <laughs> the light and brightness coming out of her. <laughs> Usually it's just like anger at me for bad jokes. Yes, because he's made me angry. Um, Cindy, do you want to share social handles? Social handles. Mm. Obviously, drive to the I'm website. Sure, um, yep, so, um, yep, absolutely. So you can follow me on Twitter at Cindy Gallup. You can follow at Make Love Not Porn. Um, on Facebook, I'm uh, Cindy.Gallup. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn. And please, 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 everybody listening, go to Make Love Not Porn. Please sign up for a subscription. You know, they start at just $10 a month, and that would just enormously help us. Make love, not porn TV. That's it, yeah. Right. Also, we got to ask you our last question, too. Mm. It's, uh, we are the humor resources professionals here. We hate asking this question. Everyone hates answering it. Mm. Where do you see yourself in five years? Well, in an ideal world, I would love to see, you know, me um, having scaled Make Love Not Porn to the point where everybody is talking openly and honestly about sex. With Chris Pine. Ideally. <laughs> I love it. I'm doing yeah. the first video. With you. All right. So honestly, if you didn't know who, if you were a not, you were not familiar with Cindy before this show, please follow her. Follow her on LinkedIn. I mean, she posts so much great content. So your your life is now. I like to say it was BC before Cindy, <laughs> and now it's AC. AC? AC, AC, yeah. AC, after Cindy. AC or go to AC. Yeah. No, no, anyway. Yeah, no. Anyway, no, no, anyway, thank you, thank you, thank, thank you. you. Go to jobsblowpodcast.com. At jobsblowpodcast on Instagram. We're not quite on Twitter yet. We'll get up there soon, we promise. On Facebook, we're jobsblowpodcast. Uh, you can follow me, Mr. Josh Hyman, on Instagram, on Facebook too, mrjoshhyman.com, with an MR at the front. Uh, and Brianna, you can follow her at... Jobs Below Podcast. Damn it. Not happening this week. <laughs> Not yet. And uh, <laughs> we just want to say thank you so much to all our listeners out there. Please, again, remember to go on to all of the sites, iTunes, wherever you're listening. Uh, give us a review. Currently, we are only taking five-star reviews at the moment. <laughs> just kidding. Any reviews are great reviews. It just helps us go higher up on the directory so people can find us and listen to us. Thank you, Cindy, one more time. Pleasure. Thank you. Brianna. Peace out. Bye. I'm too fly for my suit and tie And I'd rather die than work nine to five And I'm too fly for my suit and tie And I'd rather die than work nine to five And that's why I don't want to go to work I just want to chill and play all day Looking dead in the face and say I wish I could just be still asleep while you were.